Good morning and welcome to worship this Sunday, January 30th, 2022. We are so glad that you decided to join us in worship this morning. Pastor Walt is enjoying one of his Christmas presents from his children this morning, so he will not be with us in worship. You may notice that I am talking directly into the camera because we are live streaming our services today as we have been for most of the month. We hope to regather sometime mid-February and we'll keep you posted in terms of when we can regather safely. Please watch your emails and check the announcements so that we can join together as soon as possible and know that we trust that the Spirit flows between us and through the internet to allow us to be gathered as community together despite the fact that we are not physically gathered together. We know that the Spirit will touch and nurture us this day. I hope that this is a blessing for you and that we find ways to celebrate life. I have a few quick reminders for you before we step into worship proper. One of them may be a new reminder for you, and it's that the Family Ministries and Christian Outreach Committees of the church are working together on a Valentine outreach. If you would like to help out with this, either check your Friday emails from the church or send an email to me, and I'll fill you in on the details. The other announcement is from our outreach committee and Kathy Loeb, which... And they want to let you know that welcome baskets for veterans moving into the Many Mansions Summit Ridge facility are, take, are being gathered. Supplies are being gathered, and they still have some things that they need. There is a sign-up genius, sign genius that went out in our Friday announcements or in the covenant. And we invite you to look at that sign-up genius, see what you can do to to donate to the cause. You can also donate by submitting a check to the church with Summit Ridge Veterans in the memo line. We appreciate your support in this mission. Today we continue with our sermon series on the impact of encountering Christ, or the impact that encountering Christ has had on a number of noteworthy people, and by implication, the impact that Christ might have in our own lives. We look at the crossroads and see the choices made in these interactions, both in the Bible and in the world. As a tip of our hat to the Epiphany season, the series titles begin with, Aha! and Oh Wow! That exclamation we make when finally we understand something or things just seem to click, when the light breaks through, when Epiphany happens to us. We're hoping our sermons stimulate some aha and oh wow moments for you. Today, we take a look at the woman at the well and Nadia Bowles-Weber. Let's see how their stories impact our stories. Let us center our hearts for worship as we prepare to greet the Lord this day. Rejoice in the Lord again, I say, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord again, I say, rejoice, rejoice. Please join me in the call to worship. We come to the well seeking to quench our thirst and be healed. We come to the well, hoping to encounter God, 
and be fully seen. May we be seen, affirmed, and loved just as we are. Then let us take these blessings out into the world. Proclaiming, we have met the Christ. Come and see. Receive this invocation. O Lord, let your acceptance change us so that we may be moved in living situations to do the truth in love. We need new eyes for seeing, new hands for holding on. Renew us with your spirit, O Lord. Free us and make us one in community and in communion with you. In your name we pray. Amen. children. This is the time in our worship service where I take the opportunity to talk to you directly. As you are at home, come close to your TV screens, your computer monitors, your tablets, so that you know that I'm talking directly to you. Have you ever been thirsty? I don't know about you, but I was so thirsty that I had to take a sip of water before I even started talking to you today. Today in worship, we're going to talk about thirst, but we're not just going to talk about physical thirst. We're going to talk about spiritual thirst, which may be a little bit harder to understand. But when I think about this, I think about my kids, and I think about Maya, who after a little while of not having any structured time will come to me and go, 
I'm bored. Have you ever said that to your parents? My guess is that you have. And sometimes when you say that you're bored, it's because you're looking for something more. You're looking for something else to do. Sometimes in our lives, we're looking for God. We're looking for the comfort that only God can give us. And so we're thirsty for God, just like we're thirsty for water when we're on a long hike. And there are times where God reaches out to us and says, I'm here. Let's sit down. Let's visit. Let's make sure that you get the water that you need. Now, that may not be the water that you get from your water, your water bottle or anything else. It may just be the feeling of knowing that God is with you and that God loves you. Now, I realize that I may have given you a hard thought for today, and if your parents need to call me after worship so that we have more of a conversation, that's okay too. So just let me know, and I'm happy to chat with you as much as possible so that this idea of knowing that God feeds a hunger in our bodies to know God more. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow, and thank you for all of our yesterdays. Thank you for loving us and filling our thirst. Help us to see you in others we meet. In your name we pray, amen. Let us pray. Lord, may your fragrance rise up in such a way that we feel your presence. We sense how you wrap around us, enfolding us in your loving care, nurturing us, guiding us, leading us to new possibilities in life with you. Help us to see the ways that you are continually reaching out to us, saying, I offer you living water and help us to accept that living water in ways that truly nourish and nurture our being. Help us to grow into the disciples that you call us to be. Help us to admit and see ourselves more fully and see that you receive us just as we are. Thank you for a grace that covers a multitude of sins that allows us to continue to grow and to be nurtured. As a faith community, we lift up the following people and situations in our prayers. We lift up prayers for Steve Ames, who had a heart attack on Wednesday and is being monitored after receiving a stent for a, to open a blockage. Be with Steve as he continues to heal and with his doctors and nurses as they discern the best course of treatments and with Carol as she is the ultimate caregiver. 
Well, you, Lord, are the ultimate caregiver, but she offers a lot of care to Steve. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers with Rosemary Zimmerman, who asks for prayers for her friend, Dick Schumacher, who had a stroke on Friday and in his Los Robles, in Los Robles ICU. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Steve Langberg, who is recovering from cataract surgery this past Friday. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for John Birmingham's father, who is in the hospital with multiple health issues and with COVID. Help to alleviate and, and remove the COVID from John's father's body so that he can move to his next care facility. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Carissa Birmingham's father, who has found a cancerous tumor in his kidney. Be with him as they discern the best course of treatment and with the, with the family as they surround him with love and support. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Macy Douglas, who broke her leg this past Sunday. Be with her in her healing and her amazing energy through it all. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Catherine Straddling, who is back in the hospital with issues of pressure on the brain after having a cyst removed recently. Be with her doctors as they discern how to best care for her and bring Catherine back into health. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We join Janelle Saunders in lifting up prayers of healing for her dear friend Brenda's 17-year-old grandson who is critically ill with a viral myocarditis. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we come to you with the prayers that are on our hearts in this moment of silence. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We continue to pray, Lord, for all of those who are impacted by the coronavirus, who are encountering it for the first time by um, getting ill, for those whose employment continues to be impacted by the ongoing pandemic, for those whose emotional well-being is struggling at this time. Be with each person in each of their situations and let them know your comfort, support, and love. Help us to find ways to continue to persevere and to push through what has been a daunting two years. Lord, we know you are with us and we continue to seek your guidance and wisdom in all that we do. We offer up the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As one great family of faith assembled here, we all rejoice to sing the praises of God the Father. We lift our voice. He made us brothers and sisters through his Son, our bond secure. We feel the warmth and the comfort of his love, given free and pure. Our Lord has called us to build this family throughout the earth. To bring to those feeling empty and alone his sense of worth and guide them home to the caring place we share, untouched by fear. To help them know that as children of the Lord, they are welcome here. Savior built us a home through sacrifice. He gave his life that we may dwell in the refuge he prepared. Eternal life and with the family of faith embracing us, each strength combined. We'll live in Christ as the ministers of hope to all mankind. Amen. 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 Amen indeed. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Awesome and almighty God, we give you thanks for this day and the ways in which your spirit flows around us and among us, connecting us together as your community, your people, the body of Christ, celebrating your love. We ask that you be with us in this worship, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever changed your schedule to avoid something, someone? I know I have. True confession, I usually try to get here before 8.50 in the morning or 9.20 if I'm here on a weekday so that I don't have to uh, face the parents that are dropping off the kids in the parking lot. It's not that I don't like the parents. I love the parents. It's the chaos of the parking lot that I'm talking about. 
I'm so glad that I clarified that. Forgive me. I, there are th- times where we intentionally change up our schedule so that we don't have to face things that we don't want to. This is true of both the character of our scripture message this morning and of the woman that I'm going to talk about today. Today's epiphany moment may just be that God will meet us where we are, even when we're trying our hardest to avoid something, be it God, something within ourselves, or something else entirely. Oh, wow, God finds us, taps us on the shoulder, sees us fully, and extends us grace. These are pretty big aha, oh wow moments, at least in my life. I hope that they are for you too. So our scripture lesson this morning takes place in a Samaritan city. It happens at a well. And it happens with someone who is not viewed as desirable by most of those who read the Bible or heard the story to begin with. It's about the woman at the well and how she goes to the well at noontime to gather her water. Now, if you think about it logically, you would go get your water when the sun is just starting to come up so it's not so hot, so that it's not quite as much of a struggle to take your large jug of water back to your home. But she intentionally went in the middle of the noonday sun to get her water. We assume that it's because she's trying to avoid someone or something. Now we know just a few small facts about her from her interaction that we will hear in just a moment. We know that she's been married multiple times and that the person that she's living with now is not her husband. But we don't know why this has unfolded the way that it is. There's many reasons that we could speculate, and we've probably heard some of them from time to time. But if we take a step back and look at it, it's less likely that she has gone and married someone, either had them killed or die somehow, and married five other times before the person that she's living with now, that seems very unlikely in that day and time. It's much more likely that maybe her husband passed away and, so I'm taking back my statement a little bit, it's likely that her husband possibly passed away and according to Jewish law and culture, the next person in succession would take her as his wife to be responsible for her. So maybe this is the fifth generation or the sixth generation of her first husband. Or maybe it's because she's found to be infertile. And since she can't have a child, her husbands have divorced her and left her because she is not producing an heir. We don't know why she has had the number of husbands that she's had. We just know that there is something going on in her life that she would prefer to go at a less opportune time so that she doesn't have to encounter other people, so that she doesn't have to deal with the gossip, the conversation, the questions, so that she can be by herself. Let's hear what the scripture has to say. 
The scripture is from John chapter 4, verses 5 through 10, 13 through 19, 25 through 26, and 28 through 30. So Jesus came to the Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out of his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty and have, to come, and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I said before, this interaction is amazing for a couple different reasons. First of all, this is the longest interaction that Jesus has with anyone in the Gospels. And this interaction happens with someone who, to put in modern days terms, is considered an alien, is someone who is other than. So a, a woman named Debbie Thomas, who writes for Journey with Jesus webzine, says this, to put it in a more contemporary language, the Samaritan woman is the other, the alien, the heretic, the stranger, the foreigner, she represents all of the boundaries that must not be transgressed in the religious life, all of the spiritual taboos that must not be broken. Yet Jesus transgresses and breaks them all anyways. Jesus has a message to give, a message of hope, a message of grace. The truth is, is that Jesus comes and meets her where she is and shares the truth of living water with her so that she might have new life and new opportunity. 
one of the things that I love about this passage is that in some ways, she actually becomes the first apostle, the first one that goes out and says, come and see. She hears the good news and shares it with others. Her life is changed by this simple transaction, this simple, well, simple, somewhat long, possibly confusing interchange with Jesus. Now, Rick just read us a few select verses, and if you want to go back and read more of it, I would encourage you to do so, because there's some theological conversations, there's an understanding about where you're supposed to worship, and she brings herself to to Jesus and shares her understanding, and Jesus helps her to understand the truth more clearly. In this interaction in the Bible, Jesus leads with vulnerability. He admits that he too is thirsty and that he needs something to drink. He opens the line of conversation by being vulnerable. He sees her without shaming. I want us to hear that. He sees her without shaming. Because so often when we read that passage, we look at that and we're like, oh, she's being judged when Jesus says that. But Jesus is naming a truth. Because sometimes it's only when we name a truth that redemption and new life can take place. It's only when our true self is out there in the open that we can have that healing that we need. So Jesus saying, you're right, you don't have a husband. He's just bringing to bear, to light, the pain that she may be feeling so that she can have the living water that he is offering. And then he honors her proclamation. He tells her that he is the Messiah. He tells her and she goes and shares. This truth of leading with vulnerability, seeing without shaming, and honoring her proclamation are things that resonate with our other person today as well. I want to tell you about a classmate of mine. Her name is Nadia Bowles Weber. She met a version of Jesus in her childhood, but that version would not celebrate her intelligence, limited her ability to speak her truth, and made her feel like she had to hide portions of herself to be considered good. She grew up in a religious family who went to church on a regular basis, who who had established a community, but it was a community where she had to hide portions of herself to feel welcome, and where she would never be allowed to live into the fullness of who God was calling her to be and the proclamation that God had placed on her heart because women were not allowed in leadership in her church. And that was something that she struggled with greatly. By the time I met Nadia at Iliff School of Theology, she had worked through many of these feelings. Nadia has a personality that is larger than life and can command attention, keeping the focus on her. It could be that because it could be because she was a comedian before she went into seminary. So she's comfortable drawing attention to herself, but also sharing truths in the midst of what she's saying. Oh, she could command attention very well as we were sitting in the lobby, in between classes, waiting on breaks so that 
and she would just weave tales that would gather everyone's attention and help us to see what was going on in our classes, what was going on in the world, and how we were invited to engage with her, but also engage with God through the conversations that we were having. Now, Nadia may not remember me, but she left an indelible mark on me. And I'll be honest, that statement there is probably a little bit of my own baggage or my water jug. We'll get to that in a second um, so that I can explain that a little bit more. It's some baggage that I carry. Nadia, I told you her past, how she was raised. Because of that introduction to Jesus and that Jesus that she knew growing up, she thought that God was judging and... Um, let's say mean. Um, So she went down a path, a path that led away from the church for a while, that introduced her to new things and new ways of living, and she, in some ways, was the prodigal son. She got addicted to to alcohol. She uh, lived in various or many different situations along the way until she got clean. At some point along the way, she realized that she needed something different than what she was doing. She was tired of drinking to the point that she couldn't remember. She was tired of waking up knowing that she had gotten sick the night before. She needed something new. So she started going to lessons, and at first, as she was going to her AA meeting, she's like, "Mm, anytime that you talk about God, anytime you bring the Bible into the conversation, I'm going to get up and walk out. And at a certain point, she met someone who said something that made her look at things differently. It wasn't necessarily the Bible being quoted to her, but it was the grace that she was extended by those that were in the meetings with her. As she was having her withdrawal anxieties and tics, she had someone lean over and just say, those will pass. And she didn't even realize that she was in the throes of it at the time, but that grace that she experienced. Nadia documents much of this in many of her books. The book that I reference most clearly today is her book entitled Pastrix, where she looks at her understanding of how her evolution of a person and how she went from someone who didn't know God, who came to understand God as different from the person that she was raised knowing and encountered a God who offered her living water through grace and then decided and realized that God was accepting her as she was and inviting her in all of her her idiosyncrasies and things that may not be considered typically churchy to share that truth with others and to welcome those like her into God's kingdom. She has had a great ministry, but along the way, she had to learn some things. She had to unlearn the idea that there was good people and bad people and that you could put people into one box or another and that you needed to to segregate yourself out from others. She had to relearn a concept of grace. She says grace is when God is a source of wholeness which makes up for all of my feelings. My feelings hurt me and others and even the planet. And God's grace to me is that my brokenness is not the final word. 
My selfishness is not the end all. Instead, that it's that God makes beautiful things out of my own stuff. Insert Rachel's word there. Grace isn't about God's creating humans as flawed beings and then acting all hurt when we inevitably fail and then stepping in like a hero to grant us grace, saying, it's okay, I'll be the good guy and forgive you. It's God saying, I love the world too much to let your sin define you and be the final word. I am a God who makes all things new. She had to let go of her ideas of God and recognize that God was offering newness, offering a forgiveness that washes over all of the things that she had done wrong, all the ways that she had stepped out of an understanding of what it meant to be a disciple. She never knew the church, a church where you were called to take care of others, where you were called to serve and to do mission work, And when she encountered that, she was surprised. And even when she met her husband, who happened to be a Lutheran pastor himself, she's like, you are a strange, strange and odd person. This is not normal. Until he showed her that it could be, and it was. Nadia talks about our sins the things that we do that keep us apart from God, but also points out that God is ever reaching out to us. God is ever saying, I want to be in relationship with you. God sees us exactly as we are and who we are. God knows the ways that we've gone off track. God knows the things that we're hiding from others and the things that we may even be hiding from ourselves. And God loves us through all of that, because of all of that, and says, you are my beloved child with who I am well pleased. In one of Nadia's chapters within Pastrix, she talks about the parable of the vineyard. And within this parable, it's a story of a vineyard owner going out to the field or going out to the marketplace and hiring a bunch of people at the beginning of the day and bringing them in and setting them to work. And then a little bit later, going out to the marketplace again and getting more people to go work in the vineyard. And then about two hours left in the day, he goes out into the marketplace one more time and brings them back to work in the vineyard which in and of itself is a great story until you get to the part where people learn that this vineyard owner paid everyone the same wage regardless of the number of hours that they worked. Sometimes when we read the scripture, we get get all tangled up and uncomfortable with the fact that it doesn't seem right. But the truth is, is that This is a story about God and who God is and how God is always reaching out to us. Nadia says this, What makes this the kingdom of God is not the worthiness or piety or social justiciness or the hard work of the labors. None of that matters. It's the funny, it's the fact that the trampy landowner couldn't manage to keep out of the marketplace. He goes back and back and back, interrupting lives, coming to get his people. 
grace tapping us on the shoulder. The kingdom of God is like that very moment when God was making all things new. In the end, their calling and their value in the kingdom of God comes not from the approval of a denomination or of other workers, but in their having been come and gotten by God. It is the pure and unfathomable mercy of God that defines them and then says, pay attention, this is for you. Nadia had a moment where she heard very clearly as she was being taught about grace, pay attention, this is for you. The woman at the well, as she was talking with Jesus and encountering this lesson of living water, was told, pay attention, this is for you. Sometimes having our truth named, whether it's our addiction, our struggles in past relationships, our self-insecurity, we have a God who loves us. And while that truth can be crushing and difficult, the instant that it crushes us, it somehow puts us back together by naming it, by being honest about it, by bringing it into the light so that we can see it more clearly and so that we can address the things that we need to so that we can love ourselves as much as God loves us. We can let others define us. We can let our jobs define us. We can let our insecurities define us. I can let that fear about whether or not Nadia remembers me or not define me. But I'm not going to because Nadia reminds me, ironically, within a sermon that she wrote about the woman at the well, that none of that is as important as God's claim on me. None of the things that we choose that are external to us that sometimes we choose to define us, really define us. The thing that defines us is the fact that we are chosen and loved and forgiven and made new by a God who is transforming our life over and over and over again. How amazing is it that God continues to go to the places where we're avoiding situations, people, maybe something within ourselves, and says, Beloved, come, let's talk. Let me offer you some living water. Let's be in relationship so that you can be the person that I know you are instead of the person that you're letting others define you to be. Our aha this day is that God loves us profoundly, that God continues to reach out to us as we go every which way possible and invites us into conversation and invites us into relationship. I hope and pray that we are as bold as the woman at the well and Nadia Bowles-Weber who said, I have seen the Lord. Come and meet him because, oh my goodness, he is amazing. He accepted me for who I am, knows my truths, knows the things that I don't even necessarily want to talk about, but loves me nonetheless. Oh wow, God loves me despite of all the things that I have done wrong. And aha, I can have new life in God. Amen.
during our time of offering today, I want to encourage you to think about the times where God may have tapped you on the shoulder and said, my beloved child, I am offering you living water. How that felt, how that might have transformed your life, and how you may say thank you to a God who is so loving and supporting and transforming so that the new life that you've received may be received by others as well. me in a moment of prayer. Gracious God, thank you for your redeeming love that reaches out to us time and again, inviting us into relationship with you so that we might see ourselves as you see us, beloved children of yours that are beautiful to behold. Help us to embrace that truth within ourselves and then go out into the world holding firm to that truth and inviting people to come and see. Use the gifts that we have given in a way that continue to build your kingdom so others might come and see the gift of your living water as well. In your name we pray, amen.
hope this service has been a blessing to you. For some people, like the woman at the well and Nadia Bowles-Weber, an encounter with Christ is one that allows us to be seen and known for who we are, and not just that, but loved for who we are. The sense of being seen and affirmed empowers us to speak from our life's experiences and to proclaim the grace, redemption, and love of our Lord. May your encounters with God allow you similar knowledge that you are seen, loved, and valued by our God just as you are. May this knowledge inspire you to share the truth with others. I will be on for a little while for virtual coffee hour when this is done, so anyone who wants to join us there, go to the email and you'll find the link and receive this blessing. Rooted in love, nurtured in love, Go forth to love, confident of the God who created you in love, the Christ who meets you with love, and the Holy Spirit who inspires you to love goes with you each and every day on the journey. Amen. Let us now depart in thy peace, blessed Jesus. Send us to our homes with God's love in our hearts. Let not the busy world claim all our loyalties. Keep us ever.